Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit Get Fit. This week we talk about weight slash resistance training and why we think most should dive in and give it a go. We talk through three steps to get involved in this type of training, establishing the why, understanding load management and removing the fear of movement. We're going to explain and tackle all three of these. But firstly, we do set them up from a health point of view and why you should be doing it for your own uh, health, whether you're young, old, male, female, etc. This is mainly aimed at beginners slash novices, but even if you've got some experience, this may actually help you hone in on certain aspects. And especially if you're a coach, this will maybe help you going forward with your own clients in the gym. We hope this provides you with some real self-efficacy going forward to getting started in your weight training slash resistance training journey. But of course, if you find that after this, you still want some guidance, some support, then please get in touch and we'll do our best to help you on your way. So let's get into this week's episode. Good evening, Tom. Good evening, mate. How are we doing? I'm good, mate. Uh, we'll see how I am in a couple of hours. I had my first vaccine today, so we'll, um, ah. we'll see if I start growing any more limbs during the podcast. You've got that super 5G access. Have you checked the bars on your phone? Do you have a sudden craving for bat soup? <laughs> <laughs> it's mad when uh, we think... Nothing right. It's mad, right, mate, to be honest. It's mad when we think how like uh, that whole bat soup thing was like over a year ago and it was just like a meme and it's so far gone now i mean there's been like hundreds of other different theories since then but yeah bat soup over a year ago well making myself hungry talking about it but how was it mate how was uh the injection that was right mate yeah it's fine uh, we'll see how i am tomorrow i mean i, I want to train tomorrow but we'll see how, see how i actually feel <laughs> we've got to do our civic duty to encourage people to do it so you're supposed to say yeah it was absolutely fine no problems at all yeah, we'll go with that, yeah. We are responsible yeah. <laughs> adults. I had the Pfizer one, which is, I mean, the other one's got obviously a couple of issues with blood clots people have been reporting. So yeah, that's, that's the one I had. Off a bit. Mm. Yeah, so I'd, yeah. I got catfished. I thought I was going for the Pfizer. And then when it actually, uh, when I got done with it and they gave me the card, it said AstraZeneca. And I was like, oh, that's one with the blood clots. Happy days. But you know, I'm still here. I'm still around for now. Just got to keep on going. One foot in front of the other. Keep trudging forward. So today's episode, Tom, is one we've been uh, we've been waiting to do for a little while now. It's um we've spoke about this topic in numerous ways. So we're going to be talking about weight training today. More specifically, we're going to go into our sort of three steps to start in weight training, uh, establishing the why, uh, load management, removing the fear of movements, and then we're obviously going to go into some more bonus stuff, which is just like loads of extra stuff. Um, what we're probably going to start with though first is why you should start weight training because. Obviously, it's all going to well telling us how, telling you why, but you know how to do it. But it's you know why, why should you even bother? We've got loads of different benefits. What I want to quickly do is mention a couple of episodes we've done in the past. Now, um, when we talk about why you should get into weight slash resistance training, uh, this is going to apply to everybody, regardless if you're old, uh, young, male, female. Um, but regarding young and old specifically, I'd really recommend going back and listening to a couple of our old episodes. So, um, one of them was called Myths, Age, Kids, and Exercise, and another one was called Age, I'm Getting Old. Uh, they're both part of the Myths series. So, if you go to uh, chatshitgetfit.com and you go to our series tab, you'll be able to find all the series, and the Myths is one of them. And them, they're really good, those two, because they 
they talk about weight training quite a lot because they're quite prevalent in those uh, categories. So for example, with kids, we discuss quite a lot why children shouldn't fear lifting. Um, basically, if it's done under the proper guidance, it's going to be really, really beneficial to them. Yeah. And then when we look to old people, um, I say old people, it sounds like I'm being offensive there. Old people, fuck that. No, but older people... Um, we talk about it how it's probably even more important for that quality of life in the future. We look we look specifically at something called sarcopenia, which mm. we listed the episode you'll hear all about. It's basically a um, condition which can be quite uh, detrimental to quality of life as you get older. But things like resistance training can help with that. Should we go into more detail? And we'll probably go over again yeah. in this episode uh, as well. Right, let's get into why you should do it. Um, before we get into kind of uh, a bit of back and forth between myself and Tom. We are an evidence-based podcast, so I'm going to start with a nice bit of a uh, nice bit of uh, I say data. It's not really data. It's more of an extract from a paper. So this is a 2012 paper titled "Resistance Training is Medicine." Um, so benefits of resistance training include improved physical performance, movement control, walking speed, functional independence, cognitive abilities, and self-esteem. All sounds very good so far. Resistance training may assist in the prevention and management of type 2 diabetes by decreasing visceral fat, reducing HbA1c, increasing the density of glucose transport of type 4 and improving insulin sensitivity. Resistance training may enhance cardiovascular health by reducing resting blood pressure, decreasing low density lipoprotein cholesterol and triglycerides. You nearly had it, Bill. You nearly had it. We'll move on. Uh, An increase in high-density lipoprotein cholesterol. Resistance training may also promote bone development, with studies showing a 1% to 3% increase in bone mineral density. Resistance training may be effective for reducing lower back pain and easing discomfort associated with arthritis and fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia. Is that right that time? Fibromyalgia. You're making me do it now. Fibromyalgia. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, Why go. would you fucking ask me? You know my track record for pronouncing English. I'd have been shown <laughs> to reverse specific aging factors in skeletal muscles. So that all makes it sound really, really good. Um, and the stuff we tucked on there, I mean, there's a few things there that I just like the first bit. It may include, obviously, it's going to improve physical performance depending on obviously how you're doing it. Because if you are resistance training, that resistance is creating a stimulus, it's creating a stress, which will then improve performance in that lift, which obviously we'll go into more of it. Movement control, walking speed, and functional independence, I think, are really important, especially for the older generation, um, as we speak about on the, the old episode in the myth series. Um, and then there's obviously a load of other benefits like the type 2 diabetes, the cardiovascular health, and that's just because of general exercise. By doing exercise, you are going to improve, um, uh, sorry, improve, you're going to decrease the risk uh, the risk chance of these uh, conditions. I think that really sums up why from a health standpoint. Is there anything you want to add really on a health standpoint? Um, it did mention obviously there, but we didn't go into much of the uh, psychological start point, but it did mention self-esteem there, which is obviously... I mean, it gives you bragging rights. You know, picking up heavy fins gives you bragging rights. Also, you can start wearing really sick gym gear as well. You know, gym shark, all that jazz. But no, seriously, another gym shark. Well, 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 well. No, when when the new primal range comes out, train primal gear, mate. Well, that'll be the. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. It was just a slip of the tongue, weren't it? Yeah, slip of the tongue. Both for apex predators, words. sharks. You know. And train primal yeah, in general. But they're, yeah, but train, we're, we're, we're land. Train primal's got land apex predators. Gym sharks are fucking... No, no one cares about the fuck. It's like Aquaman. Aquaman's that's, always pushing the yes, side. Yes, that's true. He's all, they're always like, oh, here we go. What's he going to do? Fucking bring us to fit up. He's useless on land. At the end of the day, if a shark's prey is on land, the shark is fucked. They can't do anything. But I'm pretty sure bears can still swim. Yeah, no, you're right. They, at the end of the shallow... Yeah. 
Can tigers swim? Can tigers? I think they probably can, but they're big cats, and cats are scared of water, aren't they? Yeah, you're right. Going back to Aquaman, I know we've had this discussion with someone we know before, but he really is just like the worst superhero. It's like even if, like, look at Aquaman. Yeah, his whole his stomping ground literally is the ocean. Now, even if you were stuck on an oil rig, you know, and you needed saving on this oil rig, you're still going to ask for anyone but Aquaman. Even on his own stomping ground, Aquaman's going to be like the last resort. You know, if you're like, a, there's like a, you know, an out to sea tornado and it, or there's like a giant freak wave and it's f- fucked up your oil rig and you're on a piece of debris and you're like, someone save me. And then like Aquaman comes by and he's like, don't worry, I'm here. And then you're like, uh, do you know what? It's all right. Don't worry about it. I'll, 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 I'll just wait. I'll wait for Batman in his bat boat or something. Do you reckon that's why um, Zack Snyder tried making him really cool in his like in his DC universe? He tried making got like Jason Momoa, didn't he? That's what his name is. Like some cool fucking rock looking dudes. Do you reckon that's why he got him to play Aquaman to try and make him cool again? To be honest with you, I think Zack Snyder can make a movie about the Great Depression and make that cool. Yeah, he probably. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. He's but yeah, uh, going back to serious things about lifting again, like other proven benefits. I say proven. Nothing is ever truly proven. But another thing I like about weight training in particular is that it makes you confident in movement. Mm. And this kind of links back to what we've spoken about in the past in regards to things like posture, etc. You know, lifting can make you pretty confident moving through various positions. And it can make you realize what you're capable of as well, even if you have got some form of physical abnormality. You know, some people might assume that if they've got something like scoliosis, that's it, they're doomed. But actually, you know, there's some great weightlifters out there with things like scoliosis, other abnormalities. There's weight. Uh, there's Olympic lifters that have hands missing at the end of the day. I know you might think how how they do that. There are kind of like apparatuses they have. But, you know, weight training is for everyone. It really is for everyone. And it can build self-efficacy. And, yeah, it could just show you, like, how resilient the human body is. That on a specific level, I think that's you've kind of hit the corner. But on a, on a on a larger scale, I've got some more stuff here which I think is really important. This is from the US, though. So, um, inactivity is obviously a huge issue across the the world. Obviously, in a Western society, if you look at the UK, look at the US, inactivity is a massive issue in terms of people's health. We've seen it a lot in the COVID um, environment that we're still we're hopefully coming towards the end of now. But we've we've seen that people with um, you know increased metabolic markers and on the lower end of stuff, they're they're going to suffer more because of their health. Um, and maybe resistance training is something that could get you excited because mm. as we'll come on to some people they don't like the idea of having to, to go for an hour run or to sit on a cardio machine like a cross trainer for an hour it might bore them maybe resistance training if you can if we can remove that fear remove those barriers to getting involved with it you might be able to find something you really enjoy um and this is this is to show the extent of the issue i basically i found something from the physical activity guidelines for americans so it's a 2018 paper these would all be linked to the show notes by the way um it looks at inex- inactivity in the usa only 26% of men, 19% of women, and 20% of adolescents are meeting the current recommendations for exercise. They are That is incredibly low, isn't it? Yeah, it uh, is. Bearing in mind, the actual recommendations for exercise aren't exactly like that high. They are, I mean, they're not low, low, but they're not that high. They're not unachievable. It's not like they're telling you to do hours a day. Um, oh, sorry. No, and with respect to resistance training uh, in particular, there also seems to be a 23% reduction in all cause mortality in individuals who resistance train two to three times per week. Now, that two to three t- uh, times per week fits in with that um, recommended allowance that the USA, well, I was just yeah. telling you about that paper there. Um, and that, sorry, that was from a paper from Dan Cole 2016. But 
that reduction from two to three that's times per week is is massive. Like people might think, oh, is it? But and just to clarify, that's for all cause mortality. That's all, yeah, all cause. That's not just not one thing exactly. That's all cause. Um, do you know what as well? Uh, I mean, there is evidence out there. And this is quite specific to weight training. Obviously, it depends what kind of like weight training you're doing, but. There is evidence out there to suggest that, you know, you tend to have a better quality of life and improve mortality with grip strength. Grip strength is an indicator of that. And what better to improve your grip strength than through weight training? And I've actually said that at work before. So for new listeners, I work in a commercial gym. I've said that at work before and people are absolutely baffled by it. Like, how, how does grip strength correlate to all that? Well, think about it. As you get older, when you're more vulnerable to, say, falls, and you need to grab onto things, even, you know, your quality of life as well, like picking up a kettle or a pot or a pan full of food or water, you know, and you've got to think, as you do get older, what might not be a big deal for us in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, picking up a pan of water and having a grip just to hold that and, you know, cook to live is a big deal. Yeah. A very big deal. Been able to open doors. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, people, we, we, when people see this episode, they think, oh, resistance and weight training. They might automatically assume we're talking about big lifts and people slinging tin in the gyms, like heavy metal in the background, massive deadlifts. But we're talking about everybody. This, this, is, not, yeah. this is not a special special boys club when it comes to weight training or resistance training, whatever no. you want to call it. This is sort of everyone. As you just said, that grip strength thing, that's huge for their... I mean, and even if you just do basic resistance training, the odds are you're going to improve grip strength. If you're doing things like deadlifts on a regular basis, that is working your grip strength. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I'm always going to be biased towards barbells because that's just what I like. But at the end of the day, you don't have to just use barbells. When we talk about resistance training in particular with this podcast, we're talking about anything that involves you pushing... Pulling, tee, squatting, hinging, basically all these big movement patterns, and it can be on a free weight, it could be on a barbell, a dumbbell, a body pump bar, a kettlebell, it could be a sandbag, it could be a rucksack full of a tins of, of beans. Yeah, it can be machines. Do you know what? To an extent, it could be resistance bands. Yeah, yeah, why not? Resistance band, nothing wrong with a good resistance band. Um and in day there's loads of different, you know, methods you can use it in day, modalities. It's all good and well saying us about this saying, yeah, two to three times a week is not a lot. But as we've harped on about lows and lows times in the past, we do understand there are barriers. So there's a there's a paper here which is actually really interesting. So um, they basically said factors associated with participation in resistance training, a systematic review. Okay. They concluded low education levels, a poor health status were associated with low participation rates in resistance training. Intrapersonal factors including effective judgments, self-efficacy and self-regulation behaviours and interpersonal factors including subjective norms and programme leadership may be important for promoting resistance training behaviours. And that was quite a big paper uh, and you can tell that low education levels and poor health status. If you don't know better and you're in a bad health status already, automatically the last thing you want to do is to go into a gym and just start pretending to lift because if you don't know what you're doing with a barbell for example and you look like you're a bit of a you know if you're, you're on the larger side of life how is that going to make you feel if you go into a gym and you you want to start squatting and you know people are looking at you because you're overweight you don't really know what you're doing so you might be doing something wrong that's going to be playing in your head over and over again yeah. so what's you going to do you're probably not going to do it to begin with you're not going to put yourself through that mental stress of people potentially laughing at you um which is not and a good thing at all. To be honest with you guys, you know, for the people that are in the gym training seriously, you know, and 
properly training that are decent human beings, they won't be looking at you or they won't care how big you are or what you're doing. And for the people that are laughing, and let's be honest, there will be people. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, oh, no, no one's like that because there are scumbags, you know, we are human at the end of the day. Um, those are the people that, you know, they're the people that most of us look down on, the non-normies, you know, the scumbags that create these barriers that do shame people. And I guarantee you the same people that are shaming, if I took 15 minutes watching them train, I could pick them apart at the bones with what they're doing wrong. But I don't. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, you don't, because yeah, there's no exactly. need for me to do it. And I don't need to, although it's nice to bully a bully sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> but I mean, um, yeah, I mean, what you kind of mentioned there is something we've mentioned in previous podcasts, which is people's socioeconomic status, you know, their education levels, their, you know, their healthcare, etc. I mean, what it does point to is people that have a, a lower socioeconomic status do tend to find it hard to find time to exercise in general, particularly with the gym. You know, if you've, if you're a single parent, you've got two children, you know, at the same time you're working a job when they're at school and you, you find it hard to have free time or you've had a really stressful day or you've got to worry. People say, oh, you need to prioritise your health. Yeah, you do need to prioritise your health, but it's easier said than done when you're just worrying about when the next paycheck is going to be so that you and your kids have a roof over your head. But people are going, oh, there's no excuse. Rise and grind. You've got to get to the gym three days a week. You know, what are they supposed to do with their kids? You know? What yeah. about the you know the lack of emotional support? There's various reasons why there are barriers. What, but what is important to understand that we have something called a locus of control, which is you know some things are out of our control, some things are in our control, you know, and some of them even though are out of our control, we can possibly find ways around those barriers. So things like home workouts, etc. Now that's easier said than done because once again there are still barriers. If you don't have the space for it. Or the only time you do have to yourself, you might have children running around your feet. Happens with me. Every time I try and do a push-up, I've got my little one climbing on my back. That's all right. It's sexual resistance. So happy days. But, you know, there's there are always barriers. But it doesn't mean that it's completely out of your control. It's just going to take a bit of testing and adjusting to find out what we could do to get people active, especially in regards to resistance training. And I think that's where having a good uh, a good coach and some good guidance could be quite beneficial. Yeah. So something I was going to talk about as well is that, for example, in the industry that we're both in, like the physical training industry, you could tackle certain in- uh, uh, issues such as self-efficacy, self-regulation, program leadership um, with not only giving people programs to follow and giving people guidance and stuff, but also education so that they can have that self-efficacy going forward because – these people, as you said, if they're if they're struggling financially, the last thing they're going to be able to afford is a constant role in one-to-one coach. So sometimes yeah. you're going to want to perhaps jump onto something like a 12-week block where you can get you know really loads of education at the same time as good training. And that way, after that block, you don't need any more because you've got the education required to go forward and carry on on yourself. Do you know what? I just want to quickly say, because we keep on bringing up this term self-efficacy, and we've mentioned it in a couple of previous podcasts as well. But just to clarify for new listeners, when we talk about self-efficacy, basically we're talking about a person's confidence in their ability to do something. And there is evidence there to show that the more self-efficacy someone has, the more likely they are to continue doing that thing. So if we build up self-efficacy amongst people being able to exercise um, you know, or, you know, just have faith that what they're doing is okay. Even if it looks a bit dodgy, you know, their form's a bit off, their technique's a bit off, or they're a bit embarrassed. As long as you keep doing it and build self-efficacy, 
you're more likely to do it long term and then maintain it. So that's what we mean by self-efficacy. Just wanted to jump in there. I know you've been working as well on a really good beginner's block um, in regards to resistance training, which is really good. How's that going? Is that, that finished yet, is it? Oh, fuck me, mate. That's uh, I started writing that in December. Yeah. So I started writing that around Christmas. Uh, is, is it July now or June? Is it still June? June. Oh, it's uh, June. Nearly, oh, nearly oh, July. Well, still, I was supposed to have that wrapped up in about a month. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's taking its time, mate, but it's coming along. Yeah, it'd be really good. Once that's done, we'll um, definitely we'll definitely have that linked. But also we've got we've also got the Train Primer one-to-one coaching packages, which I think they'll be, you know, because we do start on a 12-week uh, package there. It was available. There'll be links down the show notes for this, but it's definitely worth doing simply because the coaches we've got, they're not only going to just, it's not a monkey see, monkey do situation. They're all about education. What yeah. you think is is the money itself you're paying, it's obviously not going to be cheap, but that, it's the, the education you get for that self-efficacy going forward is you know it's priceless obviously from our bias point of view because any coach they could charge you a, you know a reasonable price and you they could tell you right do this training block for this period of time which is good i mean you'll get results from that block but then if you're not getting the education if you're just sitting there following this and you're not really learning about the process and learning about how to you know how time management basically life coaching life coaching is something that we really um harp on about uh train primal with that one-to-one stuff because Things like time management are going to be crucial because yes, we said people have say, oh, you know, they've got they're a single mum, they've got kids, they haven't got time. But there is always time. But the issue is, is finding out how to manage your time, and that yeah. can be very difficult to do on your own. Whereas if you've got someone who is, you know, very very good at coaching, they can yeah. they can help you with this time management. Be like, okay, let's have a look at your day. Let's see where we can play with things. Let's see how we can do this, and so we can do baby steps. Yes. Okay, you've got 20 minutes here that I've just seen there. What do you normally do during then? Oh, I don't really do anything. Okay, then let's have a little go. I'll get on Zoom with you or I'll get on a call with you and we'll talk through it and we'll get you going. And then once you get into that routine of it, that 20 minutes where you're normally procrastinating on your phone then becomes your training session. And then as we go on, that increases, that increases. Next thing you know, you're on three times a week, one hour at each session, good resistance training program. And then, yeah, you're getting the benefits for life. See, what I find a big issue is within this industry is when when we say, when some of us say like, oh, I just don't have the time or I'm struggling to find time, a lot of coaches will just say, make time yes, or everyone yeah. has time and that's it. Conversation over. Well done. You've solved the problem. Congrats. But not really, you know. You've just, you've just, but, you've just reiterated the problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but a good coach, a good coach will realize and empathize and say, okay, there is a barrier here. But what can we actually do? What can we do? I can help you. We can find out how to get around this barrier, you know. At the end of the day, you could perceive that time is a barrier and it, it generally is. For you, it is. But perhaps there's ways we can kind of get around it together here. I could support you. You might just someone might just throw in an idea that that person may have never considered before, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, combining daily routines of exercise, etc. If you're walking your kids to school. You can. Someone might not even realise that that is technically aerobic exercise. You know, put a backpack on your back. You've added. You've added some resistance. Yeah, there you go. Simple, simple things. Chuck like a that. couple of plates under the pram. There you go. You've got. That's <laughs> yeah. a really durable pram. But yeah, here you go. You got a sled push now. <laughs> I don't know. You see the price. You see the price of some of these prams. They're like fucking. Tats. I've, I've had two kids, mate. Fuck me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, like a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, but no. Um, as, as we go on throughout the podcast, we're obviously giving you our sort of top three tips to get into it, which is our idea of trying to get you into it on your own. But if you do find at any point um, that you you know you want to get in resistance training or you've started and you're not really sure where you're going, please get into 
touch and we can see what we could do we could put you in touch with our with our team or obviously well once Tom Tom finishes his uh, <laughs> his, uh, yeah. his his beginner's job 2025 we'll ladies and gents just around the corner but yeah the the <laughs> These tips we're going to give you today are kind of, we are trying to promote that self-efficacy because that's what we believe. Everyone should have, we, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't rely on a trainer for life. I mean, some people like doing that. That's great. But financially, it's not suitable for most. Let's be honest. It's not cheap to have a good coach. Um, yeah. So the idea is just to get them on these packages, 12-week block, maybe even six months or something. And then from then on, you are good to go. For the, obviously, you can maybe dip back in and out again, but you shouldn't have to be relying on these uh, trainers for life because it's just... <laughs> it shouldn't be monkey see, monkey do. No. Um, as you said earlier, uh, I've always said to, I've said to the majority of my clients that... My goal realistically is actually to make myself obsolete, mm-hmm. you know. Now, don't get me wrong, I can still understand why people want long-term coaches. That's absolutely fine because some people just want the guesswork taken out or they've not got the time to look over their programming and calculate this, this and that. Also, if with proper programming as well, you might find as well that sometimes you need a coach to kind of rein you in a little bit, stop you from doing too much too soon or actually you know actually do something a little bit more aggressive etc yeah absolutely i mean even things as well like um you come back for an injury for example uh, we've got a great one-to-one coach called hannah she's a fucking absolute injury ninja but that's that could be an example of why you'd hire someone like her because you might have a, you might be really clued up on what you're doing you just come back from an injury you've never ever had before and you're like fuck how the hell do i get back into my routine now um where that's when you might once again have to hire a coach again even though you're like really good you're basically a trainer yourself yeah. you're really but you're not that clued up on injury um, recovery then that would be another another reason why you might want to dip yourself back in but. we'll go into our steps now and we'll start with the first one which is um probably the most important it is establishing the why so we've obviously gone through why from a health standpoint but we're going to get a bit more specific now um and a few points i've just got down here is we'll go into more deeper anyway but the first one is trying something new that could be your why you could have been a marathon runner or just any sort of you know swimmer uh, just a footballer that's someone who likes sports and you might be thinking you know what i want to try something new because we're we are we get very bored think about it when you bought a car how quickly when you first get a car, for example, I'll rephrase that. When you first get a car, people are normally in love with it. They, they just want to go for a drive. They just want to take it for it. They go, oh, should we just go for a spin? But a few months down the line, they want a new car. The amount of people I speak to say, I want a new one now. It's like, but you love that. Yeah, but I want a new one now because we we love shiny things as a, as a human race. I mean, obviously, I'm not speaking for everyone, but people like shiny things uh, and people get bored very quickly. And that could be the same with exercise. Um you could you could get into like you could do a six month uh, block with a certain training modality, and next thing you know, you're like, I sit bored now. I feel like I'm doing the same things over and over again. I'm not really getting excited. And then, rather than knocking it on the head, I'd recommend trying to find something new. And this resistance slash weight training could be your something new. So that could be a why for you. I don't know what your what your thoughts on that, Tom. Yeah, mate, for sure. I mean, the good thing about resistance training is that there are so many ways you could skin a cat with this. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And it now this actually kind of goes against what I was kind of like saying on Instagram earlier, which is a really good effective training program is actually going to look boring on paper, mm. you know. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of variation at the yeah. end of the day. What I was going to say as well is when you come to boring, we'll talk about that. That's going to be goal goal yeah. specific as well, isn't it? It is. Like for you, what you're saying there is, yeah, it could be boring, but 
if someone's doing resistance training just to hit that that criteria of two to three times per week to get that 23% reduction in all cause mortality yeah. you can make it very exciting yeah. it doesn't have you can make it extremely varied very exciting oh, of course, it yeah. might not be super effective in terms of performance and strength gains etc but they'll be able to get a really good yes. um, bit of training in and they'll have fun at the same time yeah. which will keep that them engaged that is a great point uh, we don't need to be exercise elitists at the end of the day unless you have a very specific goal then feel free to go rogue with it and enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. it. I there's so much <laughs> there's so much elitism, especially on social media, where people are going, "Oh, I cringe when I see someone doing this exercise when this one is more effective because it targets the pectoralis major at this angle, etc." And it's like fucking hell. Tina just wants to lift, you know. Alan just wants to throw a kettlebell around, you know. As long as uh, once again, self-efficacy. If the person enjoys it and they feel more confident with the exercises they're doing, they're more likely to sustain it in long term. Now, at the end of the day, in regards to resistance training, in regards to coaching it, you know, if people would prefer to be more efficient with what they're doing in happy days, fantastic. But at the end of the day, I'd say the importance is sustainability, yeah. having them doing it long term. So if for the rest of their life they don't want to do something ultra specific and they just simply want to pick up heavy things put heavy fins back down as it was on caveman's walls then happy days let them do it but if they want to be a bit more specific with their goals then you know or there's other specific things such as they're coming back from like a, an injury etc that's when we, we i might encourage people to be a bit more specific with what they're doing but i do like to simplify it in this way let's just say someone is listening to this right now and everything we've said so far has gone way over their heads in regards to getting into weight training the simplest answer, if you say, what should I do, is, well, it depends. However, I can simplify it by saying most weightlifting, a good, well-rounded weightlifting session or program will revolve not around specific exercises, but the big movement patterns. So what I mean by that is pushing something, pulling something. How's that walk? Yep, that. <laughs> squatting something yeah and hinging something mm. and obviously you can do those motions in several different ways so when i say you know push something you can push something that's in front of you such as the bench press you or a push-up or you can push something above your head such as the overhead press or a you know like a wall ball wall ball ball wall i don't know which way it is mate a small your cup of tea you know squatting something you can do a squat with a barbell or you can do it on a on a machine. You can do it on like a hack squat machine or on a leg press machine. What about hinging? You can do a deadlift with a barbell. You could do Romanian deadlifts. You could do kettlebell swings. So once again, there's loads of different exercises you could do. But what matters is, is to simplify it with, as long as I'm doing these big patterns, these big movement patterns, these fundamental movements, pushing something, pulling something, squatting something and hinging something, then you're not going far wrong as a beginner. Oh, that's another thing I want to quickly nip in the bud. So we're talking about advice for novices, right? And we've got to think, well, what are we actually, what is the criteria for a novice? What is a novice? So this is debatable, but I'm going to say it's someone that's been resistance training for less than six months or 
has been training but has never put serious thought into it or properly progressed from there. Like they've been in the gym for more than six months, but they've just been doing random bits and bobs without putting thought into it. So yeah, that's my idea of a novice. What do you think about uh, what I said about the like, big movement patterns there, mate? I think you've hit, hit the nail on that there. To be honest, I think any good any good program will have those in there because that, that, that that's how it should. Be. One the the biggest reason I think is because if we go back to that whole times a barrier thing, the best bang for your buck are going to be those big basic compound movements. Yeah. You, you're going to get so much because, yeah, you can do all the, the other stuff like the isolation work, all these little fancy little things, which are great. They are, but if you've, if you've only got a short amount of time to do your training, yeah, um, the last thing you want to do is waste your time on, you know, like a fucking leg extension, for example. Well, nothing wrong, I'm not saying anything wrong with but you, you'd be better off just doing a, you better yeah. just doing a squat. You just get on, just do a squat. Ah, <laughs> so that's a good point. So when, one of the benefits of these big movement patterns is we get something called compound exercises, and isolation exercises. Uh, in fact, fucking coach Mikey Page has just posted an Instagram thing on this recently. So, yeah, that's a bit weird. But, I mean, yeah, compound exercises tend to be multi-joint exercises that use several muscles at once. So, just to simplify that, um, if I put my arm above my head and I just... Oh, fuck, how do I explain this now? We've, we've been on the audio. Obviously, I could do it on the webcam, but I forgot that. We're just going to have listeners. All right. No, bicep curl. Let's change it to something easier. Bicep curl. Everyone knows what a bicep curl is. I'm picking something up in my arms and putting it back down again from my sides. That is an isolation exercise because I'm only using one joint, which is my elbow, which means I'm only using my bicep. So I'm only using one muscle, really. Whereas if I was to do a compound movement and I was to bend over row, do a bent over row, which is where I'm bending over, I'm picking something heavy off the floor and I'm putting it to my chest with my arms, putting my shoulders back, putting it back on the floor. I'm using my biceps, but I'm also using the back of my shoulders. I'm using my back muscles as well. So straight away, I've used like a that's a big pattern. I've pulled yeah. something towards me. That's a big movement pattern. I've used a lot of muscle in a very short period of time with one exercise. So don't get on there. There are places for isolation exercises and compound exercises. But if time is a barrier, you're probably just going to want to you know, focus mainly on compound exercises and then supplement with isolation exercises. And we could probably go more into that later on. Yeah, when we're going into this sort of novice area as well, this is kind of, you want to be starting on these movements basically because it gives you that nice sort of all-round building that foundational round. Instead of focus, you want to be focused on these little smaller stuff, the isolation, as you get more progressive into it, you get more and your goals change. You might decide, okay, I want to have massive arms for summer, for example. Yeah. (laughs) Then you might might start changing your your routine. Yeah. Which moves me on quite nicely to the next point um, in this establishing the why. So we said try something new and that was a specific, specific goal so there's going to be so many different goals people are going to set themselves before they start uh, resistance or weight training one of them could be they want to be the biggest fucking lifter on the planet uh, another one could be something quite specific to myself and tom is if they want to join the armed forces for example um they might have specific goals like one of the tests to join the the armed forces in the army anyway is to do a deadlift uh it's a i've it's a hex bar deadlift so that would be <laughs> your goal is to pass that test is there a reason why you brought this up, Bill? Is this my, my 10 messages I send you like, <laughs> every couple of days? So just to clarify, uh, and this actually, yeah, this is a really good example. In fact, let me go into my example first. So sure. when people come up to me and they say, oh, I just want to learn to lift weights. And I say, is it for anything specific or just want to learn? Oh, I just want to learn. That's where I'm like, okay, we could just, you know, we just do the big movements, the big patterns, find what you like 
and I'll make those more of a staple for your training. So people can just have fun with it. There's no strict way. However, I have people that have come up to me and say, I'm joining the army. Um, this is my assessment date. I want. To, I need to start lifting weights. Straight away, I'm telling them, look, you've got a very specific goal, so I do have specific movements for you. Because in the assessment centre, you do do specific movements, such as throwing a medicine ball, Mm. and doing a well it's a mid-five pull but it's basically yeah, a deadlift pull. isn't it it's on the machine isn't it it's on a little platform but you just go back to Bill's yeah. reference there is the fucking standards of how much you've got to lift on this test keep changing yeah and I keep hearing different things so every couple of days and because I've got a memory like a goldfish every couple of days I send a voice message to Bill saying Bill help me out mate how much has this person got to push on their assessment or how much have they got to pull and I can just hear Bill sign on the other end going oh <sighs> Just we we spoke about this the other day, Tom. But yeah, that's a case where when I say, oh, it de- when people say, what should I do? Well, it depends. With this, someone has a very specific goal, so I'm going to program something specific for them straight away. But if you're just one of those people where you just want to learn to lift weights, you just like lifting weights, it looks cool, or oh, you want to just get stronger, or you want to actually you you, you want to lose weight, or you want to build muscle, then there's You've got a lot more breathability. But then there's certain people where it's like, look, I've got a specific sport I'm getting into, or yeah, I'm joining the army, or I'm doing the police bleep test. That's when it's like, okay, straight away I know what I need to get you doing. Yeah, you need to you need to decide your priorities, don't you? Because if you if you if you have a goal in mind but you don't establish that to your PT, for example, and then they yeah. just go tell you do all these movements if you just try and get you into it, you're gonna be missing the mark there because you can have a very specific goal in mind. Um everyone everyone's goal is gonna be different. That's why I think it's really yeah, important exactly, before you even yeah. get into this before you even get into this process, even before you were to go and work with a PT or you're gonna go go ahead at yourself, sit down and just think, why do I wanna do this? What are the you know, what are the big reasons I actually wanna do? Not not something small like oh I'm just bored, you know, because yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah, bored, but the idea is you want to be doing this for a long term, so it needs to be a why that you can look back it on. It should be something Every, that actually the training itself you. motivates you, yeah. Because if you when you have those days where you're maybe tired or you're not fit, you're a bit sore or something, you need to be able to look back onto this why and go, actually, this is why I fucking started, this is why I'm going to get out of bed today and do this session. That brings me on to a, another point here, and that is so with uh, the example I gave with the people that are joining the army. I might give them exercises that they don't like, but I know it's something that is going to make them efficient, you know, or have them pass their assessment. So it's like, look, I know you don't like it. I know it's not enjoyable, but you need to do it at the end of the day. It's for your job role. You need to do it. However, this general population, it's a, there's a lot more they can choose from. It's not like there's not that one special exercise they have to do. And you'll see on Instagram a lot, mate, you'll see people saying, everyone needs to be deadlifting. Do they? Why? Don't get me wrong, I'd love it because, you know, deadlift's my bread and butter. But you'll see posts saying everyone should be bench pressing. Well, why? Don't get me wrong, I think they should be doing that movement pattern, but they don't necessarily have to be on a bench. There's, if, you know, person A might not like bench pressing, and the goal is we want them to be doing something that is enjoyable for them, you know. It's not like they've got a specific goal. So it's like, well, you know, don't get me wrong I know technically it might be more efficient for overall strength but if the goal is to get them doing something they enjoy and they really enjoy going on the chest press machine let them do that this is where a good coach will understand that understand the, the clients why because at the end of the day you get too many coaches they 
what they enjoy and what they are comfortable with, they will sort of try and push that onto their client. Instead of listening to what, the, instead of actually using their ears and going, what do you want? And listening, they'll go, now we'll get you on bench. We'll get you on, now nah, nah, you need squats are good for you. Deadlift's good for you. This we'll is get more you on efficient. This is more yeah, this, efficient. Yeah, this, this, this will be better for you. You'll do this. When they go, but I, I just want to have, I just want to do loads of bicep curls. I just want to have a massive bicep. It's like, okay, right. yeah. It's like, we'll do, we'll do squats because it's good for you. It's like, well, no. Buzzword, <laughs> buzzword. People will go, no, 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 this is more optimal. But optimal, the thing yeah, is, like opt- optimal is subjective. Okay, biomechanically, this exercise you might get more activation, etc., yeah, yeah. or you might, you know, target a different, you know, part of the body, etc. But sometimes optimal, as I said, it's subjective. Optimal might be well, what is going to have this person coming back to the exercise over and over and over again? What's going to motivate them to do it? What's going to motivate them to want to put a little bit of extra weight onto the bar or onto the machine the next time they do it? Sometimes optimal is what the person enjoys. Yeah, it's not always optimal what to most motivation is, etc. It always it's always going to come back to their why. Why do they want to yeah. do what they're doing? And, and as you said, it'll, you need to do what's optimal for their why, not because you think just because you think you know best. I mean, there's a lot of arrogance sometimes in PTs where I think they think they they know best, and it's like, yeah, obviously you might know the thing, but if a client comes to you and they want to, do, I want to be able to leg press a million kilo. I mean, that's obviously exaggerated. I want to leg press this much. Okay, we'll work on that then. There's no point you going. Yeah, but it's because we do a good bench. We do, we do, we do a lot of bench, and it's like, well, just get, just because you yeah. like it, and you think it's a good movement to do, doesn't mean that they when they need to do it as well. Um, At the same time, though, there's no reason why you can't say, "Look, I want you to try this exercise." Yeah, and of if, course not. Because at the end of the day, they might be worried they're not going to like it, or the exercise might look intimidating to them. And afterwards, you just say, "How did you find that?" And if they're like, "Yeah, look, I prefer the machine better, or I prefer the dumbbells better," take them onto that. But if they're like, oh, do you know what? I was a bit worried about that, but I enjoyed it. So, like, good. Would you like to try it again sometime? You know, all you could do is suggest it, but there's no need to like for because at the end of the day, yeah. especially in a one-to-one in-person environment when you're being paid for the hour, the last thing you want to do is they're paying you for an hour is to give them something <laughs> they don't enjoy. If if you're like, no, we're going to do this instead, and they're like, oh, really? But I want to do that. It's like, okay, well, at the end of the day, they're paying you for the hour. That's sorry. That just reminded me of the day I did the deadlift workshop, uh, and it was fully booked, mate. But only one person turned up. <laughs> oh, yeah, one person. But when the one person turned up, and I said, "You do understand this is a deadlift workshop. It's not a class. It's a workshop." They said yes. And then when they saw the barbell set up in the corner, they was like, "Oh my god! I didn't know I was going to be lifting a barbell." And I kind of looked at them like. What do you think we was going to be doing? <laughs> He's been watching too much Squat You or she's been watching too much Squat You. Too much Squat, squat You. you. Yeah. Deadlifting with a PVC pipe. <laughs> we'll move on to the next step. That's a step number two. Now, this one is understanding load management. Now, we spoke about... Oh, boy. Um, load management a little bit well I say a little bit quite a lot on the recent podcast about form and posture um, I'd recommend you go listen to that if you're if you're interested in a lot more uh, deep dive into that but essentially mm. what we're talking about here is how heavy should you be lifting well yeah you don't have to do too much <laughs> too soon uh, something I said uh, Tom actually said which is a I like actually it says you are a blank canvas so any brush stroke will make a difference however I want to add this will not last forever so th- as we're talking this episode is directed at novices that statement obviously applies. You are a blank canvas, so any brushstroke will make a difference. Of course it will, because anything's probably going to be a new stressor to your body. So your exactly. body's going to be like, oh, hello, what's this? <laughs> Do you know what? 
just quickly, Ryan, because that's a good point, actually. So when we're weight training, what happens? You know, let's say we're picking up weight that is, you know, quite intense. It's, it's challenging. We stress ourselves. And then what happens is we go home. We recover as long as you're not being silly and going straight to gym, doing the exact same exercise the next day, the exact same high intensity, you know. Yeah, so yeah, you stress yourself through exercise. You then recover. During this recovery period, you then adapt, which means you get stronger, you grow a little bit more muscle, etc. And then when you go back to the gym, you know, you can use that adaptation to, obviously it doesn't happen all in this short time frame. It's a gradual thing that happens over time. But that's what basically happens. It's, 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 it's progressive overload is that you slowly adapt over time, which is how you get stronger, you build muscle. And obviously if we dig deeper into that, there's obviously going to be a wide range of rep ranges, sets, intensity, but this will come back to whatever your why is because these numbers will change depending on your why if you want to get seriously strong if you want to build loads of muscle and look aesthetically very pleasing um, that will all impact how these things are set up uh, in terms of load yeah but once again initially it does obviously it depends on your goal once again but initially whatever you do is going to make a difference simply because as you just said there tom it's a new stressor uh, and your body's obviously adapted to something brand new Um, for beginners in terms of load We've spoken about this before on uh, quite a few times on the podcast is RPE. So RPE is probably a good place to start. Um, but I normally hear people say this against RPE, but I could be quite confusing. If you knew, you know, what you're gonna be like, what do I do? I've got no idea how to how to use this scale. Um we've actually got a really good Tom's actually done a really good video on RPE, which um if you go onto Instagram, you'll be able to find that. Um and obviously with a coach, this is mitigated as well. But this is if you're going this we'll talk about this now if you're going alone, right? If you're on your own, um and you're following, I don't know, a training program uh, an online, if you're working with an online coach and they've given you a training program and they use RPE. The reason we think it's quite good is, and this is obviously coming from evidence again, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at a paper from Barbosa Neto et al. Um, and Tom's going to come at, come at me with a counterpoint. So I'm going to sort of stick up for the people who say RPE is no good. Um, and then we're going to go again. So basically, this paper suggests that many people simply don't train hard enough. Now, this was actually people, this wasn't just novices they looked at here. They actually looked at people who have been training for quite a while and they found that a lot of them still don't train hard enough. So uh, 40% of people trained at a, uh, an RPE of four or lower uh, and no more than six uh, reps in reserve. So obviously, we've spoken about before with RPE and reps in reserve quite similar. So yeah, I'll, I'll just say again to reiterate it 40% of people trained at uh, RPE of four or no more than six reps in reserves. Um, and not because they just can't gauge gauge it at all or anything like that, but it's more to do with people not liking the feeling of discomfort. Yeah. So yeah. the idea of this is is that when this paper we looked at, and this was about 160 people, by the way. So when I say 40%, I'm not just saying 40% of three people, because obviously that would be, really, <laughs> you know, or whatever the maths would be, like four people, five people. Uh, this is 160 people. Um, and they've said it was probably because of that discomfort thing. So... The way I look at it is if you're new, for example, and it says go to an RP of eight, which I'd be questioning why it's so high anyway if you're brand new, but uh, let's say it was an RP of eight, for example, that's going to be quite heavy, yeah? So it's automatically going to feel quite uncomfortable. If you're new and it's a new stimulus to you, the chances are you might bottle it. You might go, actually, you know what? You might get to an RP of six and go, now this is my, this is where I'm going to stick to. Now this feels heavy enough. Where really, in the program, to progress further, you need to be at an eight. And this is where I think this paper's coming at, saying that um, 
a lot of them just aren't working hard enough and they're not getting results. Um, and as we've said before, people like results. So if they're not, if these beginners aren't getting results uh, because they're not training hard enough, they're probably going to knock it on the head. Hmm. Which is right, isn't it? Because if you're not, if your result, for example, is to get stronger and you're not seeing results, if your why is I'm going to get strong, I want to be able to lift this, but you're you're doing the RPE system, for example, um, and you're not working hard enough, your body's not going to. Uh, go through that stress and adaptation cycle uh, correctly so you're not going to get stronger you're not going to see results and then you're going to knock on the head yeah so i think that's where that paper was coming out and obviously we've, we've, we've talked about we could talk about percentage work as well um of course percentage work is more accurate in terms of numbers because it doesn't go off feeling it goes off this is the number you will do you will do this however um if you're brand new i'd argue you don't understand the auto regulation um system that comes to play when it comes because for example, with me, if I know, um, to bear with me on this one, if I know I've had a really shit night's sleep, yeah, I've let's say I've had two hours sleep the night before for numerous factors, and then the next day I go onto my training program and it says to me, you are to do an EMOM, uh, which stands for every minute on the minute of, oh, yeah. um, of hand cleans, for example, which is oh, quite Jesus. a technical hard movement, and it's a... Uh, 80% for example and it's and it's uh, it's a quite a high repetition on the EMOM yeah and I've had the two hours sleep I know I'm going to be fucked to put it simply yeah so <laughs> what I know myself just from doing workouts like that before being at, knowing what it's like to train uh, on lack of sleep knowing when it's like to train and I feel ill I know that I'm not going to be able to complete that workload at 80% so automatically I'm going to auto-regulate um, and I'm going to bring it down and I'm going to do less than what's prescribed however if you're a beginner and you're not used to these the auto uh, regulation system and you're just following your coach monkey see monkey do because they're giving you percentages uh you you could potentially get very disheartened or you could hurt yourself because you're doing too much because your body's not repaired properly because you've had no sleep you've had poor nutrition um you might have missed a day by accident or something like that because you had something that life got in the way. And because you're new, instead of approaching your coach and saying, oh, I've gone through this, you're just going to do it anyway because you're going this monkey see, monkey do cycle. And then, yeah, once again, you're not going to get results and you're going to knock on the head. So I've just looked at both things there, the RPE being bad, but then also the percentages being bad as well. But this is where it comes down to having a good training partner or coach, which is obviously the gold standard because obviously that costs money. And because this will and this is obviously in person or online however you want to do it and this should hopefully stop you from either not working to so stop you from not working hard enough which is what you need to get results or to stop you working too hard when your body needs to rest hmm. obviously this is me being very cynical here but Tom's going to bring in a paper now which kind of goes a little bit against this um, which is just kind of show you that you can't take one paper as verbatim yeah, do you know what? I don't think it necessarily goes against what you said. It just that it comes at it from a different kind of angle. So in regards to what you were saying about uh, novices not training hard enough, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Novices are known to underestimate how intense... Sorry, they overestimate how intense they're training. Overestimate? Yeah, sorry, yeah, overestimate. Fuck, I double-checked then. Novices do tend to think they're working harder than what they are. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. That can actually be quite protective because it can actually stop you from doing too much too soon. <laughs> and not only that, but the thing is, at, at the beginning for a novice, as we mentioned as well, a brush stroke, 
a single brush stroke on a canvas, on an empty blank canvas, is still going to make a difference. Novices don't have to train to failure or even close to failure at first. I mean, yeah, there is this one paper here. Uh, it's from Hackett et al. 2016. And basically what they did was they had, you know, both trained and untrained women trying to gauge, like, how many repetitions they had left in reserve. And don't get me wrong, yeah, like, they wasn't, like, 100% accurate, but they were still relatively accurate in judging, like, their reps in reserve, their reps in reserve. And, I mean, just to kind of back this up as well, this is actually a really, really, really good paper here. This is the second one. This was Glass et al. And what this was was they had two different groups doing a strength training program, and in one group, the coaches selected the weight for them. They selected the weight for them. And then in the second group, they was basically told, just select your own weight. We want you guys just, basically what I was told was, we want you to select a weight that you think will be enough to stimulate strength gain. So basically just go rogue with it. So in one group, coaches actually prescribed them a weight. And in the second, they just went, yeah, look, just, just do what you think is going to be enough. Now, in the group that self-selected their own weight, it wasn't, they still made strength gains, but it wasn't as much as the group that had it selected with them. So, okay, it wasn't as much, but what it did show is that periodically, over this period of time, they still made strength gains. At the end of the day, that's what matters, doesn't it? Is that you're still going up. Okay, you might not be doing it as quick as the other group, but it still goes to show that even without coaching, as long as you you kind of have an idea of, well, I need to do something that's kind of challenging, and that you're still progressively adding weight over time, you know, you, you can still make progress. Now, obviously, we can dial this in with loads of different things, such as percentages. Now, I actually avoid percentages for novices, at least at first, just because to get an accurate percentage of... So when we talk about percentages, it depends what rep range you're doing and what your goals are as well. So when we talk about percentages, basically we'll take a percentage of your one rep max. Basically, your one rep max is how heavy you could ping up, pick up something for one rep and just not be able to do any more. So basically, it's the heaviest thing you can pick for one single rep. And if you're going for, let's say, sets of five on whatever exercise you've picked then we might be doing something, we might be doing it at a weight that is 80% of your one rep max. So let's say your deadlift, for a single deadlift, it's, let's make this easy, it's 100 kilos. You can pick up a barbell for 100 kilos just once, you can't do any more. Your one rep max is 100 kilos. Okay, but I don't want you doing just one rep max. I want you doing sets of five now. Okay, so I'm going to take off 20% of my one rep max. So that means I'll be doing sets of five at 80 kilograms. And that's how it basically works with percentages. The problem being is that you have to find your one rep max. I was going to say that, Tom. Yeah, you don't want that, that. That just comes to doing too much too soon because that is, that is an acute load. As we spoke about in the, the form and posture episode, acute loading is one of the biggest reasons people get injured. Is because and that, recovery that, as well. It's no good knackering someone out, you know, and you don't get to see them for another two weeks anyway because they've got to recover. But, but saying that, there are things that I do to kind of get novices. As you said, like novices don't tend to like discomfort. So they tend to knock the exercise on the head early. So when you go to, when you say, look, I'll just start doing the exercise, they're doing the exercise. Then you go, just, you ask them, 
how many more do you reckon you can do? And they'll just go, uh, I could probably do two. But as an experienced coach, you're watching how fast they come. Let's say the squat. You're seeing how fast they come out of the squat. And you're like, yeah, they've got loads more left in them. You know, for them to be coming back up at that speed, you know, they've def- this is, they've got more than two left in them. So what you can do is you can teach them ways to judge how intense their exercise is getting. Now, I don't like to start being crazy with technical jargon, especially with a novice. I'm not going to start going, oh, volitional failure versus muscular failure blah, 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 and all that <laughs> fucking nonsense. I'll just say to them, look, I want you to keep on squatting until it starts to feel like it's grinding. You're having to grind those reps out as you're getting closer to all you think you can't do anymore. Or I'll keep getting them to... I'll keep getting them to squat. And then when I see that they have a big drop in velocity, basically how quick they can get out of that squat, then I'll stop them and I'll ask them, like, how did those last couple of reps feel before I stopped you? Did they feel different? If they don't say anything, then I'll start hinting to them, did it feel like it was slowing down? That means you're getting more closer towards failure. So that's what we want. We want those last those last reps. We want them to start feeling a bit sticky. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Now, in regards to when we talk about compound isolation exercises, we don't want to have people trained to failure straight away because it's too much too soon for them. However, we know we was talking about my program and how it's taken me like three years to kind of only get it halfway completed. That's because I keep changing parts of it. And one of the things I've changed in my program is that fairly early on, so at first with the main big patterns, let's say the bench press, the squat, the deadlift, the big movements, I'll only have people performing, say, five reps at first because I want to just be able to recover from that and focus on that. And it won't be too heavy either. It won't be anywhere near failure, anywhere near failure. However, every now and again, I'll start throwing in an isolation exercise, a very simple one such as a bicep curl, and I'll say on it, right, I want you to go until you think you've got three left in you. And what reason why I'm doing that, so for like the bench press, I might say, I want you just to lift for five reps at this weight and just I want it to feel like it's challenging, but, you know, not too challenging. That's just getting used to those big movements, but I'm not going anywhere near to failure. But the isolation work, I'll say, I want you to go until you think you've got three more left in you. Because with the isolation work, it's a lot easier to recover from and there's less injury risk, I feel, you know, I might be wrong, but I do feel there's less injury risk with isolation movements taken to failure. But what I'm doing is with those isolation exercises, I'm getting to feel and experience what it feels like when the bar starts to slow down. When they feel that in order to get that bicep curl up, they've got to start, their form starts going out when they start throwing themselves backwards. I'm like, okay. Do you want to introduce the stress, but you don't want it to, you don't want it to be too much where it's yeah, like exactly. fucking up, basically? Yeah. I don't want to introduce too much stress, but what I do need to get them experience to say, right, you see how sticky that felt? Do you see how you was actually trying to compensate by doing these extra movements, like throwing yourself back to get the barbell up? Now that is when you know you're training hard. That is when you know you're training hard. And that's when I said before, the people don't like discomfort, do they? Yes, and That's exactly where on their that. own, people will avoid, they'll avoid that sticky feeling because they'll get a couple of reps before and they go, this is quite hard now. I'm going to, that, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be me, that'd be, that's probably me done now. Whereas really, they need to do that bit more, which you're saying, which... Yeah. But just to put it simply for our listeners, the best way to kind of, I say the best way in my opinion... In my subjective opinion, I believe one of the best ways to track whether you're getting close towards failure, whether you're training intensely enough, is that those last few reps of your set, 
start to slow down. Mm. Start to slow down. If it if it takes you, if you're doing squats and you're up and down, up and down, up and down, and then like that last one, it's like it you can feel the speed dropping. You know it's getting somewhere. However, at the same time, I'm not saying that your last rep it should be taking you six seconds to get out of that squat because that's doing too much too soon. I'll give you an example, Tom. So while you're talking, I was thinking of our um our train primal program, Primal Apex, which is sort of our like functional fitness slash CrossFit competitors program, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you aren't aware, we've got three programs. We've got Primal Life, which is like our, it's it's not it's not as beginner 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 friendly as we kind of talk about. It is yeah. you can come into it fairly new because it can all be scaled, but it's all very low level and not doing too much too soon, nothing too complex. Then you've got Primal Fit, which is uh, strength conditioning, but less. And you've got Apex, which is the one I like to do because I like to try and compete in functional fitness. And tomorrow, for example, one of the workouts is an EMOM. So every minute on the minute for eight minutes. And every minute I've got to complete two hang squat cleans. Guess what the weight prescribed is? Go on. Nothing. The idea is you build up during the EMOM to a, to whatever you, what, basically what you want to do. It, it, what you basically, there's a we do quite a few things. I mean, there obviously is sometimes percentage stuff in there. There's like other bits in there, how it should feel. But these sort of EMOMs are really effective because you, you build over it. So you get to a heavy point. And then by the end of it, you're like, oof, this is, this is, you know, you're getting to that stress point. And what I like specifically with this is, for example, I, I said at the start, I've had my vaccine today, yeah? Hmm. Tomorrow, I might feel like, shit, I don't know how I'm going to react. If if this E-bomb was then to go in and Don't know about yourself, Bill. Don't know, I'm going to go and wrap, wrap uh, straight away. <laughs> but let's think about this. If I go in tomorrow and I feel rough, for example, if it had on there, you need to be doing this at 90% of your one RM, I'm going to probably bottle it and then it's gonna hit me it's gonna hit me first it's gonna hit me mentally secondly i'll probably get i could do i could actually do more harm than good because i'm pushing my body to a point where it shouldn't be because i'm i'm you know i'm, I'm not feeling 100 whereas when we've got this system here i can get to a point where i'm gonna it's gonna feel heavy for how i feel that day you can build up to what is a heavy thing for you because this is the competitors program you're a bit more advanced you should understand things like auto regulation you shouldn't have the issue of not doing enough you should you, you should get to the point where if you feel discomfort and you're rapping you probably shouldn't be on the competitors program <laughs> um, mm. you should be able to push through it and i think and as you said when you had the people doing the two um the different one percentages one without anything the people were doing actually right getting to a relatively heavy weight they were doing not too bad yeah and this is the same this is the same thing that you can rely on people to go to a heavy point especially on a competitors program and people want to they need to push themselves and when you don't yeah. prescribe anything if you just say right eight minute e-bomb two hand cleans per minute build over the e-bomb you're starting a pretty heavy weight you'll build up you'll get to a point and go oof this is heavy now if I, go, if I go any more I probably won't be able to finish it but you, you'll get to the end of the e-bomb and you'll be like struggling for them like you said you want to get to the point where you're struggling a bit but not to the point where you're dying um, yeah I thought I'd just add that bit in there because I was just thinking about that workout. I was thinking that's kind of similar to what we're talking about with the... Yeah, you need to understand the difference between just discomfort mm. and then actual like, you know, I'm working actually closer towards failure here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, like a big thing that we do to kind of touch on here is, well, how, how much intensity should you kind of be training at, you know? And... Goal specific. Uh, do you know what? Like as I said, like you don't have to train too intensely at first. It is goal specific, but for the majority of people who just want to kind of try out the movements, but still kind of see some kind of strength gains, etc., you'd be surprised at how little you can actually do and get the benefits of it. Even if your goal, sorry, like if your specific goal was, I don't know, for example, to win the CrossFit Games, as we're on that sort of that vein of thought. 
If you're new, you're even though the volume of a CrossFit Games uh, winner is incredibly high, it doesn't mean that you're going to have to do that day one, week one. If you're yeah. new to the sport, you will be doing very, very little uh, and you'll still see benefit, but you have to just be aware that like, just because your goal is to be the best at something or your goal is to lift this much weight, it doesn't mean because of that we have to increase the volume. We still start exactly the same. Regardless of what your goal is, you'll still start at the same intensity. Your load will yeah. still be very low because if we do not acutely load in you, we'll do more harm than good. Too much too soon, as we said. I mean, even going off of percentages, I mean, I've got a paper from Peterson here, and this is the one I kind of showed you earlier, Bill. But so, so it's different. Depending on your experience, your training age, how long you've been lifting and training consistently and properly for, it will depend on how much training stress you need to accumulate. So what I mean by that is things like, yeah, sets, reps frequency so when i say frequency how many days a week you should be training etc but i mean with novices so for novice that for me that's anyone less than six months of training you can actually make strength gains by training at 60 percent of your max 60 percent, possibly less actually possibly less what's that for you talking about four kilos is it about that, if, <laughs> if hopefully, I'm hoping so that's big numbers. Yeah, it's a heavy PVC pipe, isn't it? So I just don't get into like the, the double digits because then I will have trouble <laughs> counting. You know, and uh, with uh, with the sets as well. Ah, so when we talk about sets here, mm. once again, this increases with training age. So per muscle group, Joe, what I'm just going to say the big patterns again. Train the big patterns, doing four sets per big pattern or per muscle group per week is enough to stimulate strength gain. Mm. So you could train your you could train your back four sets a week. You could do your chest four four sets a week. Your legs four sets a week. So let's think of it as exercise. Do four sets a week of squatting. Four sets a week of deadlifting. Four sets a week of the 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 leg press, the chest press machine, you know the lap pull down, whatever movement you like. As a novice, you can make strength gains at four sets a week. But then as you get more trained, so for example, when you become trained, like the more optimal it seems to be kind of like, yeah, per muscle group, nine plus sets a week per muscle group. But as a novice, you can get with four per week, which isn't a lot at all. And this all. is great news, isn't it, Tom? Because yeah. we, 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 as we spoke earlier, that whole barrier thing about time and stuff, this is where this information, like the information like Tom here, he if he was to be speaking to you as a coach, if he was to tell you that as a novice, you'd be like, wow, is that all I need to do to get strength gains in my deadlift? That's all if I want to do. If you're able to get into the gym twice a week, twice a week, then you can break that up into, okay, well, I'll do two sets for my back twice a week. Monday, I'll do two sets on a lap pull down. And then Thursday, I'll do two sets on a lap pull down. There you go. That's your four sets. You haven't got, you're a blank canvas. But obviously, as you get on a year down the line or, you know, six plus months, that's when things need to start being introduced. The best way you can do that is to simply keep doing what you're doing. Are you seeing progress? When I say progress, if it's, you know, muscle gain, I'm not going to say tone because whoever says that in this day and age is an absolute prick, you know. But if you're you seeing if you're seeing muscle gain, muscle growth, if you're still losing weight, if your goal is to lose weight, you know, if your goal is strength and your strength is slowly going up, just stay on course. Stay on course. But if eventually it starts stagnating and it's stagnating for longer periods, increase the set slightly. Add an extra set on per session. 
That reminds me, Tom, um, I had a few, I put a poll out uh, and I had some response, some really great feedback from, this is going to be brilliant now, you're going to lose your mind. But I had oh. a poll basically asking people, um, do they participate in resistance slash weight trading? Um, majority was yes, which is too expensive because of my follower sort of uh, demographic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I got people to get in touch and say why, why they either don't or why they do. Uh, the first one, Tom, is to tone up my body and to gain strength. You just assaulted one of our loyal listeners. Get in the... <laughs> <laughs> but no um this person's a female which is which is brilliant to see because it's normally um yeah this, awesome I, I don't want to come across as like some fucking you know bloke but it's, no there is a stigma there, there is, is a stigma, stigma about women yeah to do weight training um so this is fantastic to turn up my body brilliant. into gain strength which is it's fair i mean the terminology is regardless um and they also added i love testing my body's capabilities which is brilliant because yeah it's, they're they're excited they get into it um i'll go into some more now um this person uh, is actually they referred to our guest from last week ben and they said yes so ben thinks i'm strong so uh, they're obviously trying to press on but no i said i, I said that's all i was going to say but on a, on a serious note though they basically put to complement my triathlon training and to future proof my body when i do get old i don't want to be the old person who can't get out of the armchair which goes on to what we said about the at the start with the uh, the myths about age quality and of old. life resiliency being hard to kill yep absolutely um, which I think is brilliant. Obviously, this person is a PT, so they're, they're, they're a bit clued up on on these sort of uh, things. Uh, someone put no, and the reason they put no was they put I'm busy working. And now this person, in their defence, I know them very well. They are they are a very busy person. They're actually building the brand yeah. new Train Primer website, um, and they have a lot of other projects going on. So they are they are quite busy. But once again, that's a time thing. Uh, I know this person is motivated to get back into the gym, but when you've got sometimes there is a lot of workload on, and you've got to prioritise. Barriers, um, isn't it? Yeah, Barry, of course, it's yeah. Barry's. Uh, someone also put, I'm lazy. I was love the honesty. Um, that's fair enough. If, if, that, if, that's, if that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. Um, I think I had, and that was it. That's all I had for the, the comments. All the ones, some of them were quite similar. Um, I thought I'd mention that because you uh, you slagged off the word toning, so I thought I'd bring that yeah. straight <laughs> <laughs> But no, even like terminology aside, just hearing that they're enjoying the process. Yeah. Pick up heavy stone, put heavy stone back down, make sad voices in head go away. I mean, I don't think they're picking up stones, Tom. Um, I think we're part of I know, that. but that's a... Honest to God, when people like talk about weight training, that is... I just try and make it sound as caveman as possible. Uh, Grog, pick up heavy stone, put heavy stone down, make Grog sad voice in head go away. And that's yeah. basically weight training. Well, that's why I do it. If we keep it simple, mate, fuck percentages off, fuck RP off. You just lift and it feels heavy every session. If every session it feels... You put a bit more weight on, it feels heavy. Ah. And your weight's going up each time because you think, okay, that that last week that felt heavy, but this week it feels light. I'm going to put more weight on. It feels heavy again. Okay, if you keep doing that, you're probably on the right yes. track. Yes, <laughs> brilliant. Um, yeah, precisely that, mate. I mean, the way I like to recommend it is at first, just select a random number. Obviously, you want it to feel, oh, what was the quote that they put in that study to those people, the self-selected weight group? Yeah, just pick a, pick a weight that you think will elicit strength gains. There you go. Do that. Over time, you, the simplest way to do it is just to increase the weight by 2.5 kilos. Just put biscuits on. That's all you've got to do. Put some salters on there. Slowly increase that over time. However, as you do start getting more experience and you can start introducing things like RPE. Now, the way I use RPE, rate of perceived exertion, numbered from a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being easiest, 10 being maximum effort, is I actually use that in conjunction with the RIR, and he said IRA, the reps in reserve scale. Okay, no, okay. <laughs> it's it's on my sure mind, I don't know why. Why are you, I'm going to have to start making know. calls here, Tom. You said I'm worried. It's me all now. that Kerrygold I've been eating. Fucking you and your Irish connections as well, Tom. 
Oh, I know. <laughs> I look behind me now. I don't know why. Yeah. That's a bit incriminating, isn't it? <laughs> like, I've got leprechaun behind me. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I use RPI in conjunction with reps in reserve. So what I mean by that is if I say, right, here's your training program. I want you to do five repetitions of squats and I want you to use a weight that the RPE is going to be a seven. So what I mean by that is that you can do those five reps the weight needs to be on it that is at RP7, which means that you've got three reps left in reserve. So if I say eight, that means I want you to have two reps left in reserve. If I say nine, you're going to have one rep left in reserve. So basically, I'll put you down for squats at an RP of seven. You need to train and finish that set the weight needs to be heavy enough that you know that you can have three left in you if you carried on. So I like to combine RP and reps in reserve, both back to back. So you can start introducing that eventually, especially if, for example, like what I'm doing my program where the compound exercises at first you're just getting used to the big movements and it's not really going to be extremely difficult. But every now and again, I'll throw in an isolation exercise that's taken multiple to failure. That's to start dialing you in so you start to get an intuitive feel of, but what does it feel like getting close towards failure? And then I might start finding things like RP and reps in reserve so that they kind of know, oh, okay, yeah, I generally could have only done two or three left there. I might even at one point get them to go to absolute failure once in a blue moon just so that they know what true failure feels like and what it feels like when that bar and that movement is slowing down and it is sticking and it is grinding. And then eventually I might say, right, okay, let's see if we can transfer your experience with that now to the big lifts let's see if you can do this set at an rpe of seven i want you to do this now and put on enough weight that you can only finish now and you've got three left in you and they might find that holy shit i really was training really light on the bench press before because now i'm using this rpe scale and i know how much i need to slow down for it to be that intense i've put a lot more weight on so you can start introducing it eventually but it just takes a bit of a while with percentages you've got to know your one rep max uh that takes you a you lot can, more close to, to be failure. Fair, you can you can like do estimates of your one RM. If you if you did a te- if you did like a ten RM for example, you could estimate your one RM based off your ten RM. Obviously, it's not exactly accurate, but you can do that. Yeah. I know that's something they do. Uh, well, they have done uh, in the military setting before. I've seen on programs yeah. they've 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 got like uh, soldiers who are like not as advanced to do ten RMs and then base their one RM off of that ten RM, yeah. which is is fine. You can do that, but you can it's get not calculators online for that. Yeah, you can get you calculators. Can. For I think if we were to summarise uh, load management, then as we were talking about beginners here, novices, uh, the whole episode really is that takeaway: don't do too much too soon. And uh, remember what Tom said a little bit earlier. We're looking at that one paper. He suggested four sets of uh, per body group each week. It's all you need to start with, really, and any brushstroke will make a difference. So don't think, yeah. Because I, I can really picture it now. You've just got the motivation. You've just established your why. You're like, okay, I want to do this because I want to be better. I want to be stronger. The adrenaline's in you. You're pumped up. You get into the gym. The music's blaring. You see all these massive people around you. You're just going to start throwing everything and anything around. And that's where you need to relax a bit, I think. That'll be my biggest takeaway from no management. Calm down. Another quick major thing I want to quickly touch on, and it's something I'm quite surprised we didn't mention. Another reason why load management is important, especially for the big patterns at first, is for new people getting into weight training. And let's just say that these people want to start using dumbbells or barbells. What is one of the major barriers to people not wanting to do these exercises? 
They're worried about their form. They're worried about doing it wrong. They're worried they're going to get hurt. They're worried that, you know, this is why, this is why we say not to do too much too soon because even if your form is a bit wonky or your technique's a little bit ropey, you're not working with a weight that is going to be heavy enough that it's going to be inherently dangerous. So even if your movement is a bit wonky at first, it don't really matter. No one expects it to be perfect. That's why you practice with a low load at first, you know. And then as you start to improve your technique, you know, I mean, how do you improve things like your technique, making sure your form is right for you, etc.? One is hiring a coach or a PT. However, you do need to take a lot of this with a grain of salt because as me and Bill know, the industry is in an absolute shit state. So I've got to be honest with you, it is usually 50-50 when you kind of reach out to a coach to teach these movements another one is workshops now workshops i tend to find a little bit better because usually if someone's doing a dedicated workshop for a particular movement such as a bench press or a squat or a deadlift then chances are that they've got a fair amount of experience in it the other one is youtube videos once again big massive pinch of salt However, there are some people out there that know their onions. Yeah, you know Jeff Jeff Cavallari, he's brilliant. He's a fuck <laughs> you. No, avoid that. Um, the, the the first person that comes to mind simply because I use his cues, even when I do my own workshops, a bit of plagiarism, but he generally is brilliant. Is Alan Frail from Untamed Strength? Untamed Strength. He teaches people how to squat deadlift, row, overpress, all the big patterns. And they that, but he's changed his techniques and his cues over the years as he's become more knowledgeable, especially in regards to pain science. But yeah, I mean, in regards to learning the patterns, don't fear it. Just pick up an empty barbell, pick up a broomstick and practice the movements at home. You're not going to hurt yourself, or you shouldn't. I'm not going to guarantee anything, really, but chances are you're not going to hurt yourself by doing these movements as long as you're not doing it with a massive amount of weight and eventually as you become more confident you're feeling more balanced especially if it is a free weight feel free to just start adding weight gradually and if you want to use machines usually those come with instructions anyway yeah and usually the the gym staff are capable of showing you how to use machines because the instructions also guide them (laughs) Yeah. Bit, of a, bit of a blend there. If that wasn't clear to you, we have moved on to point number three now, which is don't fear movement. Um, kind of just went. Oh Tom, shit! Sorry, Tom, mate. <laughs> Tom just rolled into it. Tom just went. Tom was so much in the zone. I don't want to. Just, I don't want to do, uh, sort of interrupt him there. But now, basically, that the back end of Tom's statement there was basically don't fear movement. I think what kind of my takeaway just from listening there is our bodies are really resilient. Um, if you do something a little bit wrong on the first day, week one, the, the, as long as you're not doing anything too much too soon, like we said, like lifting a weight that's just too heavy for you, you should be fine. Like there shouldn't be any real issues and you'll learn over time. I felt like when I first started doing um, CrossFit, for example, a uh, good, like, you know, years ago now, and I started doing things like a clean, my movement pattern was horrendous. I never got injured or anything, but my movement pattern was so awful because my body wasn't adapted yeah. to the position it was supposed to get into. I've never done it before, but just by doing it over and over again, watching videos on YouTube, like Tom was saying there, and the main thing for me was just practicing it because as you practice these movements, your body adapts to the positions, right? So if you're, obviously I'm not expecting everyone to go out and start doing cleans and stuff because not everyone likes things like CrossFit or weightlifting, but if you're if you're doing something like a squat, for example, and you find you can only go halfway down or your chest is coming down more and you're coming up on your heels, that's fine your body will adapt over time. And if you just keep doing it over and over again over weeks and you persist with it and you dedicate yourself to it, go back to your why and keep you know keep going with it, your body will adapt to the squat and eventually you'll be asked to fucking grasp before you know it. Um, yeah. you'll, be, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll look really good. Um, but as I said, it's going to take time. Uh, don't fear the movement. 
you need to you have to embrace it you have to just get in there get involved uh, and you'll probably come to love it more than uh, more than scared of it don't fear the movement and more importantly don't care about what anyone else is thinking oh, yeah, fuck anyone else you know, yeah. you know just, just yeah fuck everyone else off you, you're there for yourself at the end of the day I think to add on to this this point as well, I'd really, I'd really recommend going listening back to our recent episode. I've mentioned it already. Is it's called "Let's Chat Myths Form uh, Slash Technique Plus Posture." Um, you can find that uh, on chatshitgetfit.com or obviously wherever you listen to the podcast. You're better to find it there. It's a really good one to listen to. Go, go, go into loads of data on that, but that's really important talking about why we. Once again, we're not saying that form and that isn't important and that it's not good to move well because obviously there there are benefits to moving with uh, yeah. certain techniques and certain uh, um, patterns and stuff. But all we're saying is don't fear it. Don't think you're going to hurt yourself because your back arches a little bit in a deadlift or your knees coming a bit on the squat or something like that. You know, don't don't think it's going your world's going to end. It's just not the case. So don't fear movement. You need to you need to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. In the first place. as I said, <laughs> I fucking I was dreadful. I watched some of my old videos. If you go on my Instagram profile now and you scroll right down to the bottom and look at some of my old videos it's hilarious watching me trying to snatch and stuff i'm all over the place but now i mean that's a different different ball game do you know what facebook memory showed me a my my deadlifts from four years ago and i was just looking at it and i was like oh god that just looks horrendous not in regards to oh god i'm gonna hurt. i'm surprised i never made it so i'm surprised i actually made it to this point without herniating a disc in my back but i was just thinking wow i was like really inefficient back then so what i mean by that is okay I probably wasn't as efficient as I was with that form back then, but it wasn't inherently dangerous. And the only reason why I'm quite good at deadlifting now, I say I'm good, I'm mediocre. But the reason why I'm, I feel better at deadlifts now is simply because I've begun in the first place, even if I had sloppy-looking form and technique. You have to start somewhere. Move on to the, the bonus round now, Tom. So what I want to know is that people, if they go and speak to a PT, they're going to go through a sort of consultation process, Tom. All I want to know from you, mate, is if someone comes to you, a beginner... Um, and they showing a sort of a, an interest in uh, weight training. I, I want to. I want people to be able to hear from what a good coach would say. What sort of questions a good coach? Because people are going to go speak to coaches, and they're going to just take whatever they say as gospel, as gold standard. What I want to know is from a good coach like yourself, how would you like? What would you talk to with a new person who might want to get into weight training? What would you sort of be asking them? I mean, the first thing I'd ask them is why. <laughs> yeah. What what, yeah, make, what what makes you want to get into weight training? You know, um, let's say I'll, I'll let's just let's make this a bit of a role play, Tom. I'll pretend I'm a I'll pretend I'm a, I'm a novice. Okay, I would have my spine right in front of me because straight away I'll be letting you know how dangerous weightlifting is. <laughs> right, I'll be using that door over there. The not. <laughs> don't I'll do it. The gym. Don't do don't it. Don't do it. Don't every, do it. Every disc is like a jelly donut. It spews out as soon as you start putting pressure on it. Don't lift. It's dangerous for you. Don't you, lift. We say that, but that, that people actually do say that. But on a, on a serious note, it's five cups to you now, Tom, um, and I say. Look, I, I, I normally do runs. I used to be a, a pretty good runner. I used to do a lot of five Ks. Um, I've got a bit bored of it now. I, you know, I want to. I want to look good. I want to be. I want to get quite muscly. I want to basically build big arms, big chest. That's what I want to do. Big arms and big chest. Yeah. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll simply book you in, and I'll just take you for the big patterns, mate. It's really that simple. I'll. You've you've specifically said big arms, big chest. So I'd introduce them into pushing motions. I'd, I'd I'd ask them throughout it, like, is there anything in particular that really piques your interest, like the barbells over there, bicep or the dumbbells, the bicep curls? There you go, straight onto barbells, etc. But at the same time, because of chest as well, I'd be introducing them to the big patterns, pushing motions. Are you interested in 
the bench press over there? Have you ever, or, or are you more into your machines? Would you like to try both and see what you prefer? Because at the end of the day, for that goal, there's loads of ways we can skin a cat for that. We can build muscle on machines or on barbells. We can do a mixture of both. You if I if I said it. bicep curls, would you be inclined to try and get me onto it? Because I'm a new purpose. You try to get me onto something like a bent over row and be like, look, if we get you onto the bent over roll, we can target your muscle, your biceps, yeah. but we can also target your back, which is going to fill you out and make you look even better. I feel like the, the way you the way yeah, you approach 100%. it. Yeah, hundred percent. My my bias would be let's get you benching, rowing, and usually I would go for a barbell row because that is my bias. But if at any point like they're struggling to hinge and we're running out of time, if they still want to learn it, I can still teach it, no problem. But because of their goal, I could just say, okay, let's go into the seated row. Let's go on the plate loaded seated row where your chest is supported on the machine. Get you right there. At the same time, you specifically said arms. I'm thinking, do you know what? How are you for time? I know time is short. Time is a barrier, isn't it? So I'm going to introduce you to something called supersets as well. That way we could get twice to work in at the same time. So I'll get them doing things like tricep extensions. I'll have them doing bicep curls. But I'll say, look, let's superset it. There's nothing magic about a superset. It's just that we get to do one exercise after the other and we cut out some time. And that's another thing. When we talk about barriers of time, like we were saying earlier... Something I introduced to my clients quite early on, because you get things like drop sets, pyramid sets, and all this these different training methods, you know. Um, one of the only ones I really generally try and introduce straight away is a superset, simply because it's a good way to add more training variation in a short amount of time that you've got. They get more in their hour because when people pay for these packages and stuff and online or if it's in person, they, you want to get the most out of it, don't you, really? Especially when time is a barrier. Do you see how just simple I was there? I've not given you a magic bullet. I've not overcomplicated. I've just simply said, okay, I'm going to get you to push something and pull something, and then we're going to do the same motions, but just for your arms as well. Yeah. Most of it is just about what we're going to find out that you enjoy. Over time, we'll start progressively increasing the weight. But what about rep ranges? Because that's something we've not really touched on yet, is it? With the rep ranges, once again, it depends. However, the good news is, is that in regards to, in regards to that goal, getting massive... You can actually build muscle in a whole range of, of reps. In fact, I've just been talking to fucking Dean Hammond about this in the comments of one of his Instagram posts. But, you know, you can gain muscle throughout all different rep ranges. What matters is that you're training intensely enough. Now, for for the specific goal of just getting bigger, recovery is going to be a big, massive part of it. A big, massive part of it. So I'd rather not going to the lower rep ranges. So I might at first just get him used to the movements, as I said. So I might just stick to that five rep range just to get him used to the movement. But over time, I'd rather go into something like the eight rep range. The reason being is that, yeah, you can build muscle in the lower rep range. That's fine. If you want to also get strong as well, then yeah, I would go for those lower rep ranges too. But I want them to be able to have less stress on the joints over time. So I'll... I'll I'll maybe lessen the weight and up the reps a little bit instead. So a little, still different towards failure, but a little stress and joints. But if it was like strength and muscle gain, depending on how much, many times they're training per week, I might mix it up a bit. I might end up having tar- targeting the muscle, different muscle groups with different rep ranges throughout the week. So they might be doing the barbell row for one day for six reps, but then a couple of days later, they might be doing that again, but this time at 10 reps. You know, but just with different weights. So that way you're getting strength and muscle. How many reps do I say? Something like six. <laughs> six and ten, you know. <laughs> Mix up the rep ranges. There's no point. There's, there's no reason why you can't. 
Yeah, if anything, there's no reason be, why you can't do some good as well. Mix up these distress as well. Yeah, your body's not your body's not having a chance to adapt as much to the. Uh, so stress. We haven't really mentioned nutrition at all. Um, obviously, this is about weight tra- weight training and resistance training. However, you always hear the statement of, "Oh, you know, this percentage in the gym, this percentage in the kitchen." Like, you know, if you know, abs are made in the kitchen, all this bollocks. But oh yeah, I mean, but it, there is there is obviously some truth to it. Yeah, because obviously, if we're doing all this weight training and your nutrition um, recovery, etc., is not uh, not honed in as much as, as you'd like, then yeah, there's going to be there's going to be issues. As we said, when you're a beginner, you're likely to see some results anyway however if i if we're going to simplify this um let's just be really simple with it for people out there listening if you're getting into it and you want to see some good results when you're weight training protein needs to be higher and calorie yeah. if you want if you're trying to build muscle etc the odds are you're gonna to have to be in a calorie surplus right so yeah we'd, we'd probably recommend what 500 calorie surplus this, this is quite achievable because you know we well, see this is a this is a this is where I'd, I'd i'd be a bit different with the advice so if the goal is to just kind of change how they look like their body composition i'd go for something like a body recomposition so what i mean by that is if they've never properly resistance trained before then i'd actually say do you know what just maintain your calories for now yeah maintain your calories yeah. and try but still come up your protein as you're doing it you'll go for something like a body recomposition so when you're new or if you're severely obese you tend to you can go for something called a body recomp which is where even though you're not in a surplus you can actually build muscle and kind of lose fat, even though you're maintaining calories, it's a bit weird. Yeah, got you, got you. If if you did need to increase your calories, though, I wouldn't go as high as 500. I'd I'd, I'd be a bit more modest with it and say maybe like 300. Okay, yeah, 300 is pretty maybe good. Because 300 is like a good amount without you putting on too much body fat, too much body fat. Once again, it depends on your goals, doesn't it? It depends on your goals. Protein, I'll just say 1.6 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. And that's a good starting point. Or the other one is in at 0.8 per pound. Is that right? 0.8 per pound. Yeah, it's pound, yeah. Because you you sometimes hear the whole one gram per pound, which is fine. However, what I I like to say is is that protein sources aren't always the cheapest things in the world. And people normally have to, like if you're a bit heavier as well, you have to normally supplement protein in with maybe what, a shake, maybe a protein shake. And in the... In the means of saving people money, and you don't want to create barriers. I don't want people to have to go out and buy a fucking supplement this, supplement that, or have to buy you know kilos of fucking lentils or chicken or whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that point eight, as we've spoke about uh, before, there is there is studies to show that anything more than that um, at the lower end, especially on novice level, will not make a difference. So if you're a novice and you're having more than 0.8 per pound, the odds are it's not actually going to be doing anything. It's just wasted. But when you get to them, obviously, higher competitive levels, if you're like a competitive strength athlete, then yeah, you, you could probably go to maybe even 1.2, for example. Which, I mean, obviously, this podcast is not aimed at. <laughs> no, of course not. So if you are new and you're getting into it, I'd, I'd highly recommend upping your protein intake. It's really If you're, if you're going to monitor one thing out of your uh, nutrition going forward with this weight training, protein, 0.8 per pound, um, and you should be you're on the you're on the right track. Calories, as Tom said, you probably get away with just maintaining. I said you could probably go to a surplus, but it's it. This is where having a one to one coach is obviously ideal because everybody's different. Everyone's circumstances can be different, so yeah. it, it's all about getting to know the individual, what will work best for them, what what they can actually achieve, what's realistic, what's sustainable, um, instead of just giving out blanket advice, which is could be quite uh, quite difficult to do. People do like to overcomplicate, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> realistically actually you know in hindsight it it can be complicated but it's it's only complicated the more advanced you kind of get for now you could pretty much do anything and you'll adapt to it especially if you're a novice 
you know it's only as you people start worrying straight away about percentages and well, well how many sets and reps should i be doing i understand that it can be confusing because that is just coming in completely blind and not having a clue what to do that is fine but a lot of novices are like what's the perfect rep range for this and that and what exactly should i be doing and i don't think people realize that as a novice unless you've unless you've got an absolute super specific goal such as being an athlete or joining the army then you know a lot of it is you know just it's what you enjoy go and have fun just go and fucking have fun get in the gym get pick up some fucking heavy stuff even if it's in your house pick up your kid just for can a summar- can, I, can I summarize very quickly i mean what 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 i i just recommend and that is look at training the big movements the big patterns so that's pushing something pulling something squatting something and optionally hinging something but as long as you're pushing pulling and squatting and that's a good starting point in regards to sets anywhere from two to five sets per exercise slash per muscle group per week in regards to rep ranges it's completely up to you Uh, i'd recommend anywhere between five to 15 reps i'd say if you're doing like the big pattern such as the bench press the squat these big compound exercises i'd say start off as low as five reps for now and then you can always as you get more experience start looking to different rep ranges if you want to add things like bicep curls tricep extensions these uh you know leg extensions these isolation exercises feel free to once again anywhere from five to 15 reps and the same thing on the sets there in regards to you know rest periods you know this one gets a bit more tricky but i mean anywhere from you're not going to be realistically going anywhere near towards failure at the moment you know so anywhere from two minutes upwards to when you feel like you're ready eventually as you if you're training for strength and you start complicating your training later on you start upgrading it then you might want to increase your rest periods to three minutes just add 2.5 kilos to each exercise every week and just keep on doing that until progress stagnates and then you can start introducing more sets per muscle group or slash per exercise and that's all you've got to do with me and because this is another thing in regards to getting into the gym it hasn't got to be complicated you haven't got to start doing all these weird activation exercises etc this is how i train and to be honest with you it's going to be pretty much exactly the same for you i walk into the gym i put my stuff in my locker i go to the squat rack i start warming up with an empty barbell i do my squats there i have at the moment because i'm training for strength i have three minutes rest periods between each set at the moment i'm doing four sets per exercise i'm going to slowly upgrade that to five soon i've done my squats i then get ready for deadlifts i do four sets of deadlifts i warm up with just an empty bar then i go on to my four proper sets three minutes rest in between those and then i'll go on to things like my bench press etc same thing i'll warm up with an empty barbell no special activation exercises here three minutes rest once again my rep ranges can be anywhere from at the moment four reps to 10 reps per exercise and i'll just mix those up throughout the week once i'm done i clean off my equipment i go home i don't bother cooling down or stretching it's simply that getting in and getting out it's not got to be complicated i i get into the gym I do the three big patterns and I fuck off home and that's it. You mentioned um, 
bit of warming up there. I'm just going to do another little plug for a couple of our older episodes as well. We did an episode on warming up, which was also on our myths series. Yeah. Lots of a uh, myth myths plug in this episode, but I'd really recommend giving that a listen because if you're a new person as well, you're probably thinking, well, how do I even warm up for these lifts? Do I have to yes. find roller out? Do I have to start getting theraguns out? Do I have to fucking start sp- you know, turn myself into a fucking, I don't know, a croissant on the fucking pull-up ring. Yeah. You know, so basically, that's a really good episode. It's a great episode to go listen to. Um, there's also uh, the recovery series, which talks about how to recover after exercise. Because when you are new, I'll be honest with you, because it's a new stress, you're probably going to get savage doms and you probably be walking around like shit yourself. But that's that's part of the process. You, yeah. You're going to learn to enjoy that feeling. Uh, well. <laughs> I hope um, everyone's enjoyed that. It's obviously aimed more at novices and beginners. And I know some of our listeners are obviously not at that level, but maybe they've taken some things away as well, given them some food for thought, especially if they are a coach. Maybe they can look at it for their own coaching. It's been quite a long one. Uh, we've basically yeah. covered, just to recap, we've covered establishing the why, um, uh, low understanding load management, which we hope you now do understand load management after what we spoke about, and removing the fear of movement, which I'm hoping we've also done as well. If yeah. you listen back to our other episodes, that will really reinforce that removal uh, of the fear of movement. Um I think we're, we're, we'll wrap up there. I mean, if you've got any, if you need more help, uh, you want some coaching guidance, of course, there'll be links down in the show notes for how we can we can help you uh, on your fitness journey, whether you're just starting out or maybe you're at a point where you're kind of plateaued, you're not seeing results, or maybe you've, you've started and you've got to a point where you're like, actually, what am I fucking doing? I probably need some guidance from a, an actual coach. We've obviously got a great team uh, over at Train Primal. Links will be down in the show notes if you want to get involved with that. Or you can just drop us a DM on Instagram. We're happy to give a bit of advice. That's no problem at all. Um, that's what the podcast is there for as well, obviously. Um, anything else from you, Tom? No, mate. You know, training doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very simple. It's only got to be as complicated as more advanced as we go down the line, basically. Go into the gym, push something, pull something, squat something, hinge something, go home. Next week, do the same thing, but put on 2.5 kilos per exercise, crack on. Just keep doing that until your progress stalls, and that's when it's time to start complicating things a bit more. And that's it. And in regards to how heavy you should be training, do it to what you think will elicit strength gains. That's exactly what they told people in that study we mentioned earlier. Been a pleasure as always, uh, and I'll speak to everyone again very, very soon. See you later. Adios. As always, thanks for listening. If you are enjoying our content and you want to show your support in some small way, at the moment, the best way to do that is to head over to cannonballcoffee.co.uk and on any purchase, use the code PRIMAL10 and you will receive 10% off your order and it also helps towards the running costs of the podcast. I mean, if we look at the coffee these guys actually do offer with its really high caffeine content, uh, number one in the UK at the moment, I believe, chances are some of you will increase your performance in weight slash resistance training. So yeah, there's that as well. Uh, If you check out the show notes, there'll be a link to the website and there'll also be a link to the podcast we did on coffee where we talk about the wide range of health benefits and further explore the performance benefits I just mentioned. Um, As long as you get the correct dose of caffeine on board, yeah, your performance will will skyrocket which is which is brilliant um so yeah we will see you next week same time same place for a brand new episode see you soon